1: What's up, guys? Welcome into another edition of Bogey Free. I am your host, Matt Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Matt TFR, And we are going to chat a little bit uh, about the American Express from this past weekend, take a look at some cash locks, take a look at the uh, single entry team that I put together, and uh, talk a little bit about this week, both the course and uh, the expected birdies, Metric course fit score, whatever you want to call it, um, it's uh, it, it did pretty well last week. We'll we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, but very quickly, just to uh, to recap from last week, uh, Andrew Landry, who was sixty five hundred and came in with uh, with pretty awful form. I think he had four or five missed cuts in a row uh, coming in, and he uh, just. Just played unbelievable. He won with a score of 26 under through the four days. Um, had a little bit of a uh, a tough stretch on on Sunday, um, but figured it out and birdied the last two holes to uh, to to stay clear of Abraham Anser, who made who made quite a charge. He shot a 63 on Sunday um, at pretty high ownership, so that helped out quite a few people. Um, Scotty Scheffler also, uh, rounded out the top three. He was, uh, one of the more chalky people in the entire, uh, tournament. I think he came in second, uh, for GPP ownership and second for cash ownership. Um, and trendy name, 9,500, uh, came out and played pretty well. He, uh, he faded a little bit on Sunday. If he could have If he could have put together, um, you know, a 67 would have would have been enough to force a playoff at least. So uh, a little disappointing. For those of us who rostered him, because it was definitely uh, definitely within reach. Um, And it's it's uh, it's tough when a super low owned guy ends up winning in Landry, who was who was hardly owned um, in GPPs and definitely not owned in any cash lineups. Uh, that I came across, at least if you if you rostered Andrew Landry and Cash last week, your last name is also probably Landry, uh and you're you're related somehow. But uh really, really fun week to a certain extent. Uh lots of scoring, lots of birdies to be had um for, for a lot of guys. And then there was Siwoo Kim who shot an eighty seven uh on Thursday and then promptly withdrew. So um Definitely uh definitely an interesting week. I'll talk a little bit more about my how my week shook out in a moment. But before I do that, I do want to remind you guys you can get a a, a nice little discount on your Rotoviz subscription by going to Rotoviz.com slash podcasts. It's a ten percent discount for being a listener here. And uh you know the PGA content is going to be free through the Masters, so not a not a huge deal uh in saving 10% off of a zero dollar subscription if you're listening to this. However, the uh the great content that the guys are doing over on the dynasty side, on the Debbie side, getting ready for the NFL draft. Uh, I think the senior bowls coming up, all that good stuff. Um, and we have another slate of NFL DFS coming up for the Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks. So definitely worth it to uh, to check out the content if you are not already a subscriber. Like I said, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. And you will be able to get hooked up with a 10% discount. Uh, and check out everything we have to offer over at Rotoviz. Uh, and like I said, once uh, once the Masters hits, we will be uh putting the golf stuff besides the pods uh behind a paywall. So make sure you get signed up. It's gonna be all all connected. So um all right, enough about that. So we are going to start off uh like last week with a quick review of the two cash locks. Um you know last week with the Sony open we had one guy miss the cut. This week we got both through the cut. Um the uh, the the easier one of the two was Brian Harmon at 8600. He he played he played pretty well throughout the week. He finished uh T21. It looked like he might even find himself in contention potentially uh about halfway through the weekend and then I don't want to say that I don't want to say the wall the uh the wheels fell off here but definitely not his uh his best weekend that he's ever put together he hit 14 greens in regulation each of the first two days and then, uh, kind of, kind of fell off a little bit and slipped down the leaderboard, um, down to a, a tie for 21st. Still, still a solid showing. Um, you know, it, it wasn't again, not, not like a ceiling performance. I don't think that those courses set up pretty well for him, but he did manage to score 92 DraftKings points, 92 and a half. So, that always uh, That's always a good sign. And there were 10 guys who scored 100 or more DraftKings points. So um, didn't didn't necessarily kill you there. Uh, definitely definitely a pretty good outcome. Uh, and then we have Vaughn Taylor. Vaughn Taylor was uh, 7,900. He was one of the highest-owned players on the weekend, and heading into saturday it looked uh it looked like a lost cause there he shot 6974 to start his week and um he basically he needed at worst a 65 uh probably a 64 to have a shot at playing on sunday and um through the through the front nine he sort of just uh you know just kind of made Made a couple of putts here, took a step back there. Uh, he was bogey-free, but um, definitely definitely not getting a ton of putts to fall. He, I think he had two birdies on the front. Then he just went completely nuclear on the back. Um, he ended up with actually shooting a 64, but on 17 he hit the water and bogeyed uh, 17, which put him one outside of the cut line and then needed to birdie 18. And he actually did, uh, to make the cut right on the number. So definitely, definitely, uh, one of those, one of those rounds that's going to, uh, stick in a lot of people's memories for, for quite some time. Um, we don't always think of Vaughn Taylor as having upside like that, but, um, he definitely, definitely flashed some upside this past weekend. Um, he ended up finishing t forty three. I honestly think that that uh, that Saturday round just must have been completely draining. Making the cut that way, um, but he uh, he ended up shooting a sixty nine on Sunday. He finished with eighty one DraftKings points, um, which you know is is nothing to, nothing to sneeze at from a from a finish outside of the top forty. Definitely something that was useful for your lineups if you had some some good uh, complementary pieces there. Um, so that brings the total for the cash locks to five out of six uh, through the cut, through the first few weeks, uh, four out of six in the top 25. We have had two top tens and one top five. The average price has been about $8,800. The average finish position has been 27th. And the DraftKings points average has been seventy six uh, points per roster spot. So, um, you know we're we're still looking for that that really splashy finish uh, from from one of these guys. And we'll keep we'll keep searching this week. Make sure you listen to the show tomorrow um, with me and Evan. We will reveal our cash locks, and uh, of course, you could find it over at the article. Um, as well so um that was that was two sixths of the 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 lineup this week what i did was um and this isn't the the optimizer isn't uh quite ready to be rolled out yet but i was able to take it for a little bit of a spin this weekend so i figured i would uh put the cash locks at 95 percent and just run the optimizer to make 20 lineups and it ended up uh, doing pretty pretty well from a a results standpoint as far as making it through the cut. Um, I had 19 out of 20 lineups with six of six through the cut in the birdie, which, if you're not familiar, is the three dollar 20 entry max uh, over on DraftKings, and we uh, we did not win money. We we I it was actually a net loss for the week. It was. It was pretty brutal. Um, I don't think I've ever had n- 19 of 20 with 6 of 6 through, even on these these weird weeks uh, where all the chalk hits. But um, the lineup itself, uh, the, the optimal lineup, did cash, uh, scored 547 DraftKings points. Um, I also put it in the dog leg, and it was 4.5 points out of a min cash spot. So... Uh, pretty pretty disappointing honestly i I was hoping a couple of my guys could go low on Sunday from that optimal lineup and uh, and move me up a little bit. but it obviously was not was not meant to be. Um, so the rest of the lineup was made up of Harris English, who finished in a tie for forty eighth. He played pretty poorly on Sunday. Um, he was two over shot 74. He was pretty owned, um, in GPPs. He was over 20%. Um, he put up 81 DraftKings points, but the, uh, the, the, the bad finish on Sunday definitely, definitely hurt. Uh, Sung Jae Im was the only guy in the lineup to finish top 10. It appeared for really for the first two days that he had maybe a chance at competing possibly for the win here. And it just never happened. He faded on the weekend. Um, and of course that, uh, you know, top 10 finish will always take, but his, his 69, 68 on the weekend just was not going to get it done. When you have guys like Abraham answer, just, just torching, uh, everything on Sunday. So, Um, not bad, but could have, could have definitely been better. Denny McCarthy finished T48. He, uh, he played well on the easier courses in the beginning of the week, but then faded on Sunday at stadium with a 73 and Henrik Norlander had, uh, who boy, he had himself quite the bipolar week. Uh, Thursday, Sunday was, uh, 75, 74 respectively he had a few a uh, couple of 66s in between that and finished all, almost all the way down in last place for those uh, those that actually made the cut so um a little frustrating uh just from the standpoint of you know taking taking a loss with 95% of your lineups getting everybody through the cut um is definitely a little bit tilting but uh that you know the the optimizer runs on the power ranking so if you're using that to rate guys um, I think over over a long stretch you'll probably be uh, you'll probably be pretty set you can expect a an article coming out in the next week or two um, just just sort of updating uh, the power ranking models back testing so that you guys get a feel for how successful it's been um, you know over the course of the last like 15 years um which i think will will shed some light and uh hopefully the optimizer will be ready uh soon and will also be there for you to uh to play around with and see what you can uh what you can come up with as far as mixing and matching exposures and doing all that all that sort of stuff um to get yourself in, uh, in a position where you can hopefully take down one of these GPPs one of these days. Um, to, uh, to, to wrap up, I think we will hit uh, – we'll talk a little bit about the course fit score or the expected birdies, I should say, metric. Um, so if you didn't – if you weren't following along last week on Twitter, I I posted it, it and the expected birdies is something – That i'm attempting to use to quantify uh course fit because we we talk about it a lot and i don't think we do a very good job of um a measuring it and then b um just sort of projecting out what that means uh what what a good course fit could potentially mean so if you look at a lot of the content that floats around Twitter or uh, different podcasts every week, you hear the same thing all the time. You know, this course has X amount of uh X percentage of guys are gonna see um prox you know, approach shots from one twenty five to one fifty. That's the that's the target number. That those if you're good at that, you're gonna be fine here. Um but that doesn't take into account the the spread of driving distance and how golfers uh you know change their strategy on different courses so we're trying to we're trying to combat some of that and um we're we're using this expected birdies metric to to figure it out so basically last week um it was a, it was a pretty good debut to be totally honest we had Uh, just taking a look at the, the guys who were in the top 10 unexpected birdies two were in the top five uh, Scheffler and Straka seven were in the top 30 and nine of 10 made the cut. The guy who didn't make the cut and somebody we talked about a little bit on the show with Evan on Tuesday last week was Phil Mickelson, who to be honest, I, I don't think, I don't think he was ever really in play for a lot of people anyway, um, definitely not somebody that we suggested over at Rotovis in any of the articles um, and his power ranking score is abysmal. So um, I'll, I'll count it. <laughs> I'll count it as a loss technically, um, but I don't I, I don't really think that anybody was was clicking on Phil's name um, with any excitement other than, you know, the fact that it's that it's Phil. So we're gonna wrap up. Uh, I'm gonna take just a couple of minutes to uh, go through a few of the guys that are popping in expected birdies this week. And the the good thing about this is that it takes uh, proximity birdie or better percentages from different proximities, and um, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter like if you're you know the Rory McIlroys of the world. Or the Tiger Woods of the world, uh, it, it's it's just uh, it's just a straight calculation, and it takes some of the bias out. Um, so, if we look all the way up at the top, we have uh, Maverick McNeely, who played a few, quite a few rounds uh, pretty well last week. Um, he ended up fading a little bit, and I believe finishing outside of the top thirty. He's number one in the in the metric this week. Followed by Morikawa and Matthew Wolf, who if you have been following uh, golf at all over the past few, uh, I guess like six or eight months now, you, you're definitely familiar with these two guys. They have both already won on tour, and I don't think either of them have even made like a dozen starts on tour just yet. So they round out the top three. Those three guys are the only golfers uh, that are expected to have more than four birdies per round at this track those are not exact numbers it doesn't um it doesn't factor in this particular uh course Uh, the course is scoring i guess i should say but um it definitely is um it's it's sort of course it's a course fit but it isn't um it's not taking into account you know this uh, Tory Pines North usually allows 10 birdies or six birdies or two birdies around. It's just, um, it's just a score. So d- it's not an actual projection as far as that goes. Um, I just don't want people to be confused by that. So, um, yeah, it, it's th- those three are the top. That's basically what, <laughs> what you need to know. Um, Scotty Scheffler is still popping in this model as well. Um, and then followed by Doc Redman, who is um, is definitely an interesting name. He's six thousand five hundred this week, and uh, he he played pretty well uh, this past week at the American Express. And you can uh, I think you can expect to see him continue to climb um, up leaderboards and into the conversation as a legit talent uh, over the course of the spring and summer. So um, maybe we could get in a little bit early on him and, uh, and make some money before everybody starts to pile on there. Um, and then after those guys, it's all the, all the names you would think of. Sung jae uh, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, Hideki Matsuyama, like all it, it pretty much is, uh, is finding all the top salaries after that point. So, um, Definitely some interesting names as GPP flyers. You can check out the article this week over at Rotaviz to make sure that you uh, are up to date if things change, uh, how these guys also fit into the power ranking model, and whether or not you should be considering them uh, based on ownership. So all that stuff will be in the articles this week. Make sure you're following me again on Twitter at Matt TFR to stay up to date on all the content. You can jump into the Listener League. I'll be tweeting out the uh, the link there as well. So good luck in your contest this week, and we will chat tomorrow. See you.